0: Rodeos, rooftops, and men with mats. Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to just hear what you've got to say to our hearts. And we pray that you would just just show something to us. Take us somewhere we've never been before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so Matthew 25. I'm going to read it from the New International Version. Matthew 25, verse 31. Here it goes. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Sounds good. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Sheep, goats. Keep those in mind. We're going to be talking about them. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, he will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. This sounds good too. I want to be a sheep. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, when, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you... Oh, this is bad. Don't, don't be the left. The goats are on the left, just in case you've forgotten. Okay. Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do, whatever you did not do, for the least of these you did not do for me. So what? So what? What? So, so Jesus is looking for sheep, right? The goats are the people on the left, sheep are the people on the right. So Jesus is looking for sheep. And, he, and, and, and sheep deal with what? Sheep look after food and water and clothing and, and, and shelter and protection and care and companionship. Yeah. Interestingly enough, if you, if you ever did psychology or some random class I did in high school, we learned about this guy called Maslow, and he, and he had a, like a hierarchy of needs. And, uh, and the first three levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs are dealt with right there in what Jesus was talking about, which is very interesting. In fact, the first three levels are the three levels that require outside assistance. If you have the first three levels, then you can create the next two levels. So that's just an interesting side note if you're ever interested. But we, we find out that Jesus is actually interested in people who are sensitive and responsive to the needs of the brokenness around them, right? Because you'll notice that the, the goats weren't responsive. The goats may have noticed the problem, but they didn't do anything about it. But Jesus was interested in the sheep who were, who were sensitive and responsive to the people around him. And even more concerning is that these people, everyone thought they were okay with Jesus, Right, the sheep and the goats came towards Jesus. He gathered everyone together, and no, you notice everyone called him Lord. The sheep called him Lord, and the goats called him Lord. And so it just—it always scares me a little bit. Am I a sheep, or am I a goat? Because apparently these guys didn't even know before Jesus separated them. And so, and then it, if 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 sheep are the ones that we need, if sheep are the, if sheep is what Jesus is looking for, people who are sensitive and responsive, I want to be a good sheep. Right? Sounds like a strange thing to say, but I want to be a good sheep. And so how do I know if I am being a good sheep? Because these guys apparently didn't even know beforehand. How do I know if I'm being a good sheep? Let's find out. I want to know, where's a good sheep? We need a good example, because if we can figure out a good example of who was a good sheep, then maybe we can reverse engineer their decisions, right? If we can reverse engineer their decisions, then maybe we can make sure whatever they use to apply to their life, I can make sure that application is in my life. And then by definition, even if I'm a goat... I can become a sheep. Follow the logic, right? Yeah. Okay. So here's this thing. I was reading through it and this one just jumped out at me. Okay, the healing of the paralytic at Capernaum. It's actually found in 3 of the 4 gospels. You can find it in Matthew chapter 1 verse 8, Mark chapter 2 verse 1 to 12, and Luke chapter 5 17 to 26. All three accounts are included with slightly different variations in the details, but we're going to take the one from Luke for today. And I just want to see what we can pull out, because if we want to be really good sheep, yeah, and we want to, we want to know what it's like to, to meet people's needs, I think this one's just a really interesting example. Here we go. Luke, chapter 5, verse 17 to 26. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come, every, they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the roof. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but for God? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easy to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. It's a really cool story. But something always sits off about this story for me. Well, a few things sit off about this story for me. One of the things is this. that in, Actually, in a few different translations, this was from the New, Inter, uh, New International Version. If you read other translations, it says that Jesus saw the faith of the man's friends and proclaimed his sins forgiven. That's a, that's a bit of an off moment for me, right? The second is, it said that the, the man had friends. This never sit, sat right for me because as far as I'm concerned, if you live in a world with, with no wheelchair access to any buildings because wheelchairs haven't been invented, paralyzed men don't have friends. Can I just point that out? Like, you would not be the friend of a paralyzed man in a world with no wheelchairs. Just going to put that out. Because if you've ever had that friend who, you know, oh, you want to go over here. Oh, look, I don't have any money. Don't worry. I'll shout you. Now, imagine if you had to shout them and you had to carry them there. You just stop inviting them. You know what I mean? So in a world with no wheelchairs, paralyzed men don't have friends. And then there's this other thing. They didn't know who Jesus was. We can see this story from hindsight, right? We know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We know Jesus is, you know, took our sins upon him. We know that he is the healer, right? They didn't know that much about Jesus. So if you take, this, take a screenshot of this in verse 19. In 19, they've brought the guy to where Jesus was. They've got him up on a roof. They've opened up the roof, and they're lowering him to Jesus. Jesus hasn't done anything by verse 19. At that point in time, Could you imagine being one of the people leaning through the hole in the roof, holding on to the guy to make sure he doesn't fall because you don't want to be the guy who drops the disabled guy. That makes you cruel, right? And and you're not lowering him to Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You don't know who Jesus is. You know that Jesus is this crazy guy who said things like, you know, if you want to go to heaven, you got to eat my body and drink my blood. That's a bit crazy, right? You know, he was this crazy guy. They knew cool stuff happened around him. They didn't know he was the savior of the world. They didn't know this guy's sins were about to get forgiven. But here they are, leaning through a hole in a roof, lowering this guy into a crowded room. And the question is, how did they get there? Because I think these guys might be good sheep. Anyone thought they might be good sheep? So if they're lowering them into the hole, how did they get there? You know those moments in life where you stand for a moment and think, how did I get here? I had a moment. Can I share the moment with you? It was many, many moons ago. I was probably about 14 And uh, my brother and I hopped in the car. We knew our, my family, my cousins, my uncle and auntie were at a rodeo camp draft. They were camp drafting, but there was a rodeo on at the same time. So we went down to the Dave to visit them. I don't even remember where the camp draft was, to be honest. And so we just hopped in the car and drove down there. We're just hanging out with my cousins. And I rocked up and I've got a cousin about my age. He might be a couple months older than me. And the moment I hopped out of the car, he said, Colin, (laughs) we're good mates. Colin, I've had a great idea. Now, if you've ever had a cousin or a friend who's roughly around the age, and you hear the words, I've had a great idea, the correct answer is always no. Yes. But you never seem to say it, okay? So he said, Matt, Colin, I've had a great idea. You and I should enter the wild cow milking competition, right? And I said, what? Are you serious? Like I'm, sta- I'm wearing shorts and shoes, sneakers, not runners or anything like that, and I've just hopped out of a car, right? We're at a rodeo. Now, if you've never seen a wild cow milking and you're kind of staring at me like that, what they do is they just they get they let a cow into the arena and you've got to milk it. They give you a plastic cup and you gotta they set the timer and you run after the cow and then you've gotta get some milk into the little plastic cup, and you run it back to the judge. And the fastest person who does that wins the event. Now the cool thing about the wild cow milking is there are no rules other than you've got to wait for the cow to cross a certain line before they start the timer, like give it a head start as it were. They have no rules. So you can bring in little pocket bikes or, you know, you can, you can rope and tie the thing if you know or are gifted with that. I didn't even have a rope. And if I did, I didn't know what to do with it. And neither did my cousin. My cousin was more than useless, but he had a horse, right? I said, how are we going to do that? I don't have anything. He said, he said, don't worry. I've got a horse and I'll ride the horse and you can run. I thought, well, that's good. Could you, I've never been particularly athletic and endurance is never my thing. But uh, so we decided, we're <laughs> so he's looking at me and I'm thinking to myself, this is a terrible idea. So I said yes, right? Because part of me was curious what would happen. And I'd seen this event before. It's always fun. And, so, and that was in the morning. I had all day to think about this. And all day, I was thinking, this is a terrible idea. This is a terrible. It's actually getting worse. The idea is getting worse. Well, then it got even worse because by the end of the day... Now, I'd seen this event before, and they always had, like, old dairy cows. They can't run that fast, you know. Well, this particular rodeo decided that they did not have sufficient amounts of milking, lactating cows to sacrifice... So they decided to use steers, right? And what they did was they put like a a glob of like glue or tar on the inside of their back leg. If you've ever been near a cow, they don't like you putting your hand on the inside of their back leg ever. And so they use steers. Now, Now that's one thing. Now a cow, you know, plods along fairly slow. Steers run a little bit faster for me. And worse than that, so I watched these, I was, we were second last in the event, and I watched event after event, they were taking like 20 minutes to try and you know, tackle these deers. They had motorbikes and rope and tie, and everyone was doing their thing. It was crazy. And I'm standing there, not prepared for this at all, and then next thing you know, we're in the arena, right? And I'm standing beside the chute, and for all intents and purposes, they put in the chute in front of me the largest deer I'd seen all day. This I couldn't see over its back, right, at the lowest point, you know how they kind of curved down, I couldn't see over its back, and its head was hot, it was, and it was looking down, you know when you kind of look at a cow, and you think, maybe it's got kind eyes, well, I looked at this cow, and it looked hungry, for me, right, this is what I'm talking about, it was like all muscle, all the way, and so I'm standing there, and they're going to drop the barrier, and you've got to wait, Wait for the cow to get, you know, past a certain line before you can chase it. Give it the head start. And if you, if you don't wait, then you get disqualified. And part of me is like, should I just, like, break the barrier and disqualify myself? Oh, sorry. Or, because there's all these people watching the event, and this is a really bad situation to get into. And I'm thinking, how did I get here? How did I get here? This is a strange moment. And then it happened. They, they dropped the barrier. And this thing, I swear to you, it jumped from the chute past the line, which was like five meters in one jump. This, this thing was just raring to go. And I'm thinking, how am I supposed to catch this, right? So it jumps. And worse than that, my, my cousin's thinking he's on a horse, so he can, like, corner it, then expect me to do all that, you know, get in there. I think there's two stomps and Colin's gone. That's what this cow's looking at me like. And, uh, and then, so it jumps straight over the line, and we can chase it. And then it stopped and laid on the ground. I'm not even joking you. I'm not. It laid on the ground. I was shocked. My cousin was shocked. I ran up to it. I put my hand, got the glue, we finished in 12 seconds. Yes, 12 seconds. It cost me $5 to enter the event. And we got $400 prize money out of it. I tell you, it was a good day. It was a good day. Yes, that's right. And all of you are wondering, what does this have to do with the guy in the roof hanging on to Jesus? You know, the only thing that made the difference for me to take me from a spectator at a rodeo to the winner of the event was the power of yes. Like the willingness to say yes. So so these guys, they carry a man to Jesus, and they lower him through the roof. So I wonder wonder if one of the ways that sheep can be good sheep is that we just find someone who has a need, who we can lift up, and then we say yes to every opportunity that takes them closer to Jesus. Find someone we can lift up, and then say yes to every opportunity that takes them closer to Jesus imagine these guys, they're walking, walking through the street, because like I said, paralyzed men don't have, don't have friends the, these days, uh, you know, when there's no wheelchairs, and, and so they're walking, there's a group of them, they're walking to Jesus, uh, you know, because they heard the crazy guys back in town, but they like what he says, you know, he says some pretty cool stuff, and there's always cool things happening around him, so we're going to go visit Jesus on the way there, what's this guy's name on the mat, Baza, is it, it's Bazar. is it, Baza, Bazaar, you should come to Jesus. He heals people, right? Bazaar, you should come to Jesus. I thought of the most Australian name I could, just for your benefit. Now, um, so, so and all of the guys in the group, they're like, we don't want to carry them. Like, We're already late. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be hard to get a space. But one of them said, one of them's offered it, and the guy on the mat looks kind of eager. So now everyone, you know, even though they, should, they want to say no, everyone says yes, right? So they pick up the mat. They say yes, they pick up the mat, and then they start walking. They get to the house, and naturally, they're already running late, standing room only. All the soft seats are taken up, the hard plastic chairs at the back are gone, it's standing room packed in the aisles, they can't get into the house. Well, now, now they're standing there holding the paralyzed man on the mat, so they've got two options. They could leave him here, which is, which is bad. Like no one, You don't bring the paralyzed man to the house and then leave him outside so you can get a better view, right? No, well, they've got to do something with him. And someone in the group, because there's a group of them, they go, oh, what, if we, what if we go up on, the, oh, up on the roof? We might be able to hear. Now, no one carries a paralyzed man onto the roof of a house. That's cruel. He can't stop himself from falling off. Okay. Yep, but everyone says yes. Somehow someone, yep, okay, everyone says yes. So they somehow get the guy onto the roof. Now, they're up on the roof. They're like, you know what? I can't see Jesus. I can't hit. It's muffled through these tiles. What if we just move some of the tiles? So now you've gone from we're late for the event to we're vandalizing someone's house. Okay, and so, but someone suggested it, and there's a group of guys, and and when you're with a group of guys, and someone says something stupid, everyone says yes. Okay, so now we're taken off the roof, and now, okay, well, there's a spot to, I reckon we could slot him in there. Okay, so someone else has said, so now we're the people dropping the disabled person into the middle of the crowd. What if he falls, right? This is, and we don't even know if Jesus is going to say yes to healing him. Like, this is just a crazy moment. How did I get here? I picked up someone who needed help, and I said yes to every opportunity that brought them closer to Jesus. And then Jesus steps in, right? Jesus steps in, and he he completely changes it, completely changes the situation. Because sometimes, no matter how crazy it seems when we say yes to the opportunity to bring someone closer to Jesus, Jesus is always on the other side. That's really cool. Another thing that always jumps out at me about this is that that Jesus put the sheep on the right-hand side and he put the goats on the left-hand side. And the sheep were the good people. We want to be sheep. You know one of the major differences between sheep and goats, other than, you know, the entire species difference between them? Sheep, naturally, they have a much higher flock instinct. Goats don't. Goats are much more independent. Goats, Goats will follow a group when it works for their agenda, but when there's a nice tree over here, I don't care about the herd anymore. But a sheep, they know what a herd is. The sheep know how important a herd is. And what's interesting about that is no one person carried a paralyzed man to Jesus that day. It was a group of people carried a man to Jesus that day. It was was a tight-knit herd of people. So my question is, who's your herd? Can you point to your herd right now? Can you point to your herd of people, your group of people, your flock of people who are actively... This is one thing that you need to think about with your flock. Are they actively journeying together and actively seeking those who they can lift up and carry to Jesus on the way? Those are the two things I think are important for these sheep in this flock. Are we actively in a flock walking towards Jesus or or, or are we just kind of doing the goat thing out on our own? Like I'm okay with doing small groups when small groups works for me, but when small groups doesn't work for me. Am I the goat or the sheep? Right? This is just an interesting question because I think, I think a lot of times we meet the person, we see someone's need in, a, in their life. right? We see a need, we see someone who needs clothing, we need someone who's hungry, we see someone who's thirsty, we see someone whose basic need I can help with, I can lift them up. Then I think to myself, I can't do it on my own. I am not adequate enough, I do not have enough to do this on my own. I can't bring this person to Jesus, this person on the mat. And I've I got, I got to tell you, if that's your thought, I think that's goat thinking, right? Because goats are all about me. I don't have enough. But a sheep, right? The sheep knows. You know the cool thing about sheep? They're completely useless on their own, right? Like, they're fluffy and cute. They look like balls of fun. They, they, ha- they have, you know, no claws. They don't look fierce. Well, the rams do, but they just butt heads with each other. They don't care about anyone else. unless. One of the people that he butts his head with, and I suppose. But you know what I'm saying? Like sheep are very, 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 very useless in general. Their one greatest strength, their one greatest protection, is in a herd, and they know this. And so, so a sheep who sees a need, their response is, "We can help. We can help." You know what I mean? And so the question is, if you're a part of the flock, if you know who your flock is. When you see someone, do you go, we can help? We actually had this moment. We do these things in this church called small groups, right? And if you're part of a small group, that's really cool. And and I'm not saying you have to be part of a small group. That's not my point to this. My point is, do you know who your flock is, right? And so, but uh, we have a small group in in our church. And just this week, someone came to the group, and one of their friends has had this terrible emotional tragedy in their life. Absolutely devastating. And he brought it to the group. And, uh, and the first thing I, I said, well, the first thing someone else said, we're going to pray for that, right? We're a group. We're going to pray for that. And, and then I said, and I said what's, the, what's the people's names? And, and they, they gave me their names. I said, I'm going to add them to my personal prayer list, right? Because I, don't, I won't recognize these names. I won't recognize these people. I don't know who they are. And as a group, we probably won't either. But we know that this guy is attached to them. And he's going to help lift them up. So we're going to help him lift them up at the same time. And and he knows anything he needs, he's going to ask the group. Another person, this isn't a once-off thing either. A couple months ago, someone else had something. Another time, someone needed, you know, some help with an event. And and a few of the people from the group, they were free. So they came and volunteered and helped at the event. And so the question is, as a flock, are we ready to lift someone up, right? You know, where's the flock at? Where is it? So here it is. Can you point to your herd right now? Can you point to your herd right now? Are you part of a group who are journeying together, who are actively engaging and responding to the brokenness? Actively engaging and responding to the brokenness around them. Questions. Why don't you just stand with me this morning as I finish this up? It's just something to think about. Do you think you are a sheep or a goat? Have you remained sensitive to the brokenness? More importantly, are you still responsive to the brokenness? When was the last time you found someone, lifted them up, and said yes to every opportunity that brought them closer to Jesus? And are you convinced in the power of being in the herd? There's this uh, really cool author that I, I like listening to. He's a clinical psychologist or something like that. He's not a Christian, but he has really cool ideas. And here's this quote from him. He says, To stand up straight with your shoulders back is to accept the terrible responsibility of life with eyes wide open. It means deciding to voluntarily transform the chaos of potential into the realities of habitable order. It means adopting the burden of self-conscious vulnerability and accepting the end of the unconscious paradise of childhood where finitude and mortality are only dimly comprehended. It means willingly undertaking the sacrifice necessary to generate a productive and meaningful reality. It means acting to please God. In the ancient language. The writer of the book of Hebrews, he he said this, he was talking to the guys and he just kind of finished with this thought, he was talking about how they were a bit spiritually dull and he got to this this line. It says, even though we speak like this dear friends, it's in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 9, even though we speak like this dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust, he will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. What are we doing with it today? I just if you just close your eyes for me, I just wanna I just wanna pray a blessing over all of us. Right where you're at. I don't know if 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 you're the one who's broken right now, I don't know if you're the one who's who's struggling, and I don't know if you're the one who's looking for a group. Or maybe you've just realized it's been a long time since you saw someone on a mat. Maybe you become insensitive because the hurting just hurt too much. Watching people's lives broken just hurt too much so you put it away. And this morning I pray that we will be a people blessed with sensitivity, a people responsive to the chaos and the brokenness that we find around us. I bless us to be people who carry joy like they're dancing in their kitchen into the world where people just need a little bit more joy and a little bit more hope. I bless us to be people who are committed to a group Who when they see a problem, don't say, I can't, but say, we can. Just the way Jesus wants us as sheep. To find someone, to lift them up and say yes to every opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.